Miami has Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. This is episode eight of the Duffy's Fantasy Football Podcast. This is the week three recap. But more importantly, I'm starting off the episode just like I did last week. Just like I did a week one, the Miami Dolphins are now 3-0. We passed the biggest test of the season playing the Bills at home week three. I was at the game. Most of you know I was at the game. And if you didn't know, then guess what, motherfuckers? You just found out I was at the game. The Dolphins won 21 to 19. What a performance by the Miami Dolphins. We found a way to win. At no point did this game look out of control for either team. Both teams had an opportunity to win. Both teams had multiple opportunities to win. 21-19. It was 21-17. Buffalo Bills driving down the field. First and goal, second and goal, third and goal, fourth and goal. Isaiah McKenzie wide open on an out route on the right side. Josh Allen got too excited. I don't know about either winning the game or going to fuck some Miami prostitute. But he short-armed it, threw it into the dirt. Turnover on downs. First down, we lost a half a yard. We got the one-yard line. Second down, Tua takes a QB sneak, which I definitely thought we should have done all three plays. No gain, no loss. Third down. Play action. Von Miller blows it up. Almost causes a pick six. We punt it. And the biggest joke of the weekend, we had the butt punt. Safety. They get two points. Instead of being down four, they end up being down two. We have to punt it. They have no timeouts left. And we hold. And they lose. The Buffalo Bills lost. The Buffalo Bills had the ball for 40 minutes. And the thing is that when you look at these stats, and if you just look on ESPN, I know a lot of us are in the service industry, so we were stuck at work. Or maybe you weren't watching the game. It doesn't matter what your excuse is. The stats tell you maybe this was a fluke. Maybe somehow, some way, we got lucky. I was at the game. I was at the Bills game last year. In the first five minutes, Tua got hurt. Let's talk about Tua first. I don't even. I don't. Let, let, let's go step by step. First half, first quarter, we win the toss. We defer. Josh Allen drives down the field, scores a touchdown. Cool. We had a couple plays. We got, I'm pretty sure, first down twice on our first drive. We end up going three and out after that. Punt the ball. Thomas Morstead, Mr. Butt Punt himself, 
low-key one of the best punters in the league. That's why we signed him and let go of our young second-year punter after last season. Pins him within their own 10-yard line. Jalen Phillips comes up, knocks the ball out of Josh Allen's hand, causes a sack fumble. Melvin Ingram recovers a ball. We score a touchdown right there and then. Take note of that because that's part of the reason why we had a lot less yards and a lot less time of position, possession. They come back, score a touchdown. We score a touchdown, beautiful halftime. Right before halftime, two-minute warning, Tua's definitely, he just completed a beautiful pass, gets pushed after he threw the ball, hits his head on the ground, and I ain't no doctor. I thought it was a concussion. He told the coaching staff and the trainers that it was his lower back. Maybe he woke up by the time he got back there. I think it was a concussion, but, you know, I'm a bartender, so my thoughts really don't matter. He um, came back beginning of the second half. We went three and out at the beginning of the second half. Bills got the ball back, drove down the field for about eight and a half, maybe nine minutes. Only wound up with a field goal. At that point, it was 17 to 14. The Bills had two touchdowns in this game. Only had two touchdowns in the first half. Had a field goal in the third quarter. They missed another field goal in the fourth quarter. When push came to shove, it was third and 22. And let me tell you, being at the game and seeing the position that we were in, you felt like it was like half of the energy was fear and worry, thinking that we just lost the game. Because as a Dolphin fans, as Miami fans, you know, like, I know I'm a Heat fan, too, and we'll get into that once the season starts for the uh, NBA. But other than having, like, LeBron and Wade and Bosch play together, like, as Miami fans, we're ready for that inevitable moment where we let the other team surpass us. It didn't happen on Sunday. It was 3rd and 22. Oh, well... The Bills were missing so many defenders. The Bills were so hurt. They were so tired. It was so hot. Were the Dolphins playing in another stadium? Were we playing a virtual reality game? Oh, no, we're playing NFL football. Oh, okay. So on third and 22, Tua, touchdown Viloa, throws a dot. 50 air yards. It's a 45-yard completion. It was a 50-yard throw, right, on 3rd and 22 to Jalen Waddell to get into the 7-yard line. We're going to play, and I think it was 2nd and goal or 1st and goal. I'm pretty sure the 1st and goal was fine. 2nd and goal, Chase Edmonds gets leveled, hit straight in the helmet. Bills tried to use that play as an excuse as well. We get first single again, and then Chase Edmonds returns right there and then. Scores his second touchdown of the day, his second touchdown as a Miami Dolphin. That is the last touchdown of the game. 
We go up 21 to 17. The Buffalo Bills drive down the field, drive down the field. And being at the game, I'm telling you, like you felt that the thing about the Bills, okay, they had the ball for 40 minutes. Josh Allen had 400 passing yards. Cool. He also had 60 plus passing attempts. They could not run the ball on us. Devin Singletary had a great day fantasy-wise, as I'll get into later. But the Bills could not run the ball. Josh Allen drives down the field. Good for you, bro. You get stopped. Fourth and goal. You threw the ball straight into the dirt. Turn it over on downs. Okay, great. We only had one timeout left before that two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. We had to spend two timeouts because for two straight home games, our radios were not working into the helmet. And you can see it clearly. Like, that's being at the games. That's why I love being at the games. And I was telling you, I had this elderly couple. There were some Bills fans sitting to the right of me. Thank you, Gabriel, once again for giving me your extra ticket. Those Bills fans sitting to the right of me, this old elderly couple, they were super polite, super sweet. We actually spoke a lot during that game, and we got to go back and forth, not in an argumentative way, but we were just able to, you know, trade our ideas and, uh, you know, what we thought of what was going on in, in recent history of both teams. And he just looks down, he's like, Man, we can't run the ball. He goes, man, Tua came in and made those clutch plays. But then when you guys drove down the field, threw it short on fourth and goal, and now here we are, first and ten at our own one-yard line, lose a half a yard. QB sneak Tua. Third down, play action. Von Miller almost destroys us. We punt the ball after the safety. Instead of being down by four, now we're down by, I'm sorry. Instead of being up by four, now we're up by two. So a field goal wins the game. Thomas Morstead makes up for his mistake, even though it wasn't his mistake. Punts the ball all the way down the field. Pretty sure it was at the five-yard line. And this old, like, I'm talking about, like, 80-year-old Buffalo Bills fan looks at me and goes, you know our kicker has a strong leg. And I'm like, buddy, I got Tyler Bass in two leagues. I'm very aware of how strong his leg is. And on top of that, there was a father and son sitting in front of me and Gabriel that were Dolphin fans. And first of all, shout out to that guy's son. I wish I knew his name. He was literally the biggest hype on our side, even though, and I mean, I guess let me just talk about it now, now that I'm bringing it up. I have never heard the Dolphins fans as loud as they were this Sunday. I mean, we only scored, I mean, not only, but we scored three touchdowns. It was supposed to be a shootout. A lot of people expected it to be a track meet. They thought, oh, because the Bills' defense is so depleted, 
and that's part of the Bills' defense for their loss, is that they were so depleted on defense in their secondary that it was going to be a track meet, that we were going to, you know, throw the ball and have so many yards passing that it wouldn't have mattered, right? No. This kid was standing up on his seat, like literally standing on his chair, telling everybody, every time there was a third down and we were on defense, telling everybody to get up, telling everybody to scream, telling everybody to get loud. This kid was serious. But what I was trying to say in the story about what I told his father was on third and one, before he ran the QB sneak to punt the ball, I mean, to get the safety and punt the ball, which we didn't want, obviously, I was like, so basically we had the ball first and 10. Let me describe it to you. It was first and 10. The Bills had two timeouts. It was under, well, it was like a minute 45, a minute 50 maybe, left on the game clock. We run the ball very close to getting tackled for the safety right away. We don't. We lose half a yard. Now it's first and ten and a half, or second and ten and a half, I'm sorry. We run the QB sneak. Now it's third and ten and a half, but let's say third and ten. We run the play action. Von Miller blows it up like I already spoke about. I looked at this guy and I said, I was like, at this point, do we not just play for the safety? Snap the ball, shotgun. Maybe snap the ball at the beginning when it was first and 10. I, I was saying like, hey, we should have Gesicki take the ball from under the center, snap it, and fall forward and see what happens. See if we can get another yard or two. Because it was definitely hard to run that third down play and thinking we can get some yardage. Because that's what Mike McDaniel tried to do, and I give him respect. I don't respect him for what he did with Teddy Bridgewater at the end of the first half. Because Tua got hurt. We got the first down off his throw, plus 15 yards for roughing the passer. And Teddy Bridgewater went 0-3. Three straight plays, incompletions. I would have just ran the ball to run the clock out. But obviously, we punted it to the Bills. And we, you know, and the Bills did the, one of the stupidest things we've ever seen. Part of the media is saying that uh, Josh Allen you know, got a bad snap, and that's why he didn't uh, spike it. So he ended up throwing it to Stefan Diggs, even though it was definitely a designed fake spike. And then when he threw it to Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs was either trying to get a wide-open touchdown, and when he saw that it wasn't a wide-open touchdown, he was supposed to run out of bounds, but he did a stutter step, and that stutter step ended the first half. I told him, I was like, might as well take maybe the the snap out of shotgun, run around a little bit, run some clock, take the safety, lose those two points, and, you know, and then punt it. Because after you get the safety, you get a clear position of punt. Nobody can block you. Obviously, we were up by four, so that was not a first down type of idea. When we were when we had first down, 
But once it got to that third down and half a yard away from our goal line, it was an idea I had. He looked back at me, got mad at me, told me I was stupid for thinking that that's what we should do. And then um, we ended up getting a safety anyways from the butt punt. Ball goes up in the air, backwards. Thank God it went backwards. Because if they would have caught that ball or kept it in bounds and got six, we probably would have lost. We get a great punt. It looked like a, a good return on TV. But I could tell you, like, because I remember, I remember hearing the Bills fans roar when he broke, like, one or two tackles as he was ripping to the right side of the field. He had nowhere to go. And then we go. And then the unsung heroes from the highlights was Nick Needham, Xavier Howard, and Javon Holland. Javon Holland broke up a big pla- a big pass. Xavier Howard broke up a big pass. And Nick Needham broke up a big pass. And I need to find out his name, and I will, and I will give him his respect next time I make a podcast. Our rookie cornerback who had to replace Xavier Howard, him and out, him and Xavier Howard were going in and out after Xavier Howard got hurt in the third quarter, which is also like not spoken about, even though our defense still played well. We broke up a lot of passes. We broke up three passes. Once we punted the ball, a minute 30 left. All they needed to do was get to that, quote-unquote, what they needed to do was get to that 40-yard line. It wasn't heavy wind. So their goal was to get to that 40-yard line. Stop the clock, kick the field goal, win the game. Cool. Last play of the game. Allen gets it to McKenzie. McKenzie tries to run the ball all the way to the right side to get out of bounds. He gets tackled. When we counted down the clock at that stadium, when it got to five seconds left on the play clock, I'm telling you, in unison, it was five, four, three, two, one. That stadium shook. The floor beneath my feet shook. I have never felt that in a Miami Dolphins game. And Bills fans will tell you, oh, well, look, Josh Allen had 400 yards. He had two passing touchdowns. Devin Singletary had a good fantasy performance. They could not run the ball against us. And when it counted most, our defense, just like against the Ravens in week two, our defense stopped them. That's all that matters to me. Week one, Dolphins 20, Patriots 7, period. Week two, Dolphins are down 21 points in the fourth quarter. We scored 28. The Ravens scored three in that fourth quarter. We had 21 unanswered points against the Ravens in the fourth quarter. Against the Bills, they had two touchdowns in the first half. They had one field goal in the third quarter. Did not score the rest of the game. When we scored our touchdown 
in that second half, thanks to Tua on third and 22 to set up Chase Edmonds for that second touchdown of his career on the Dolphins. Nobody else scored an offensive point after that. Do I wish that we would have blown out the Bills? Of course. Do I wish that Tua never got hurt? Of course. But the Bills had the ball for 40 minutes. The biggest excuse for the Bills right now is how depleted they were on defense. We did not beat them because of our offense. We beat them because of our defense. And to me, and for all the Dolphin fans, that should send you a message. And that should let you know that this defense is ready. This offense can come back. Tua is not scared of the big moments. Oh, he's injury prone. He's soft. He literally got knocked out. And came back to start the second half. Our rookie head coach kind of seems like he has Asperger's. He has beaten Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, and Sean McDermott. Three straight games, his first three games. You tell me. If you're a Dolphins fan, and I'm hoping that most of you are, because the people who really listen, I know you're from Miami. I know you're Dolphins fans. Check your pulse. This is our time. Look at the Bengals. Their first win was against the Jets. And I don't even want to talk about it yet. I'm off on Thursday. I'm watching this game. We beat the Bengals and go to 4-0. I can't wait to see the excuses for that, how we went 4-0. Week 1, we beat the Patriots. Week 2, we beat the Ravens. Week 3, we just beat the Bills. If we beat the Bengals, what's your excuse now? The Bengals were just in the Super Bowl. The Ravens are supposed to be contenders. The Bills are supposed to be the best team in the NFL. And if I don't care if that's what you think. I'm not saying that they are the best team and that I thought it. But go listen to ESPN and Fox Sports, Pro Football Focus. Go read all these articles. Go, li- go look at Bleacher Report and see what they had before the season. And then the Patriots. I don't care if the Patriots are the worst team in the league. Patriots ran... The whole AFC for 25 years. So to me, I don't care if they suck now. Beating them is still an achievement. The Dolphins are here. The defense was here already. Tua is having his breakout season. He's at 925 passing yards. He's at eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Last season... He had like, I think it was like 2,600 passing yards. He's already a third of the way there in just three games. This, this isn't a fluke, guys. This is real. It's happening. Get ready. Fins up. And before I go on to my fantasy headlines, 
I just want to make sure that everybody knows that the Bills before this game were favored by six and a half. By Saturday night, it was down to five. Every home team in the NFL gets an automatic three points when they play at home. So if the Bills against the Dolphins were favored, let's just go to six. That means that the Bills were favored by nine. And they lost. Anyways, I digress. Time to move forward. I'm on to our fantasy headline of the week. First headline I got for you guys, Mac Jones. He had no touchdowns passing. He did have a rushing touchdown. Three interceptions. He has a high ankle sprain. He was screaming when he was coming off the field. I do not wish for injuries, so trust me, I'm not happy about it. He might miss four to six weeks. He requires surgery. If I was the Patriots, I would just let him rest the rest of the year. There's no point. Your team is trash. Your team is abysmal. Your defense is falling apart. I know Devontae Parker had a quote-unquote breakout week this week. He really didn't have a breakout week, but he just played well. But they still lost. They lost to the Ravens. You know, he had a great week. But, hey, I mean, anybody who talks about how the Dolphins-Ravens game went, then Parker didn't have a great week because the Ravens secondary has Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. You know, they're trash. Next headline, unfortunate for me, DeAndre Swift got a shoulder injury. It might be out two to three weeks. He was already dealing with the ankle injury. I'm pretty sure that he could play through the shoulder injury, um, as other running backs have done in the past. Dan Campbell looks uh, comfortable letting him sit for two weeks. Him sitting for two or three weeks is just for him to get healthy on the ankle. He's not a quarterback. I mean, having a shoulder injury definitely is not an ideal situation for any NFL player. But when you're running back and literally you're getting the ball handed to you, DeAndre Swift is a uh, catch passing back as well. But I do own him. I'm one and two right now after this week. We're getting into the matchups later. I'm okay with him at least missing a couple weeks. I would hate for him to get pushed into the next couple games and a further aggravated injury. Dalvin Cook has dislocated his shoulder again. This is the second time in the NFL dislocating his shoulder. He has dislocated his shoulder over his running back career, quote-unquote, since high school. Not all of them are um, noted right? when you when you go to look it up. He's probably at, has uh same shoulder dislocated at least four times, might be five or six times. Right now, he's day-to-day. He might play again at this weekend. But, I mean, I don't have him in this league. I have him in another league. Last year in this league, he helped me get to that championship and then cost me a championship. So I just don't know how to feel about it. David Montgomery... Jordan, I'm sorry. I know you put him in this week. He only had like one point something. It was like 1.6. 
He suffered a injury earlier in the game. It's knee or his ankle. I'm pretty sure his ankle was already hurt. So he's out now. He was out in the game due to a knee injury. Khalil Herbert had a, another coming out party. I mean, Khalil Herbert's kind of like uh, Alexander Madison. He's one of those backups that if the starter goes down, you know that he's the one that's going to take possession of that running back um, position, get all the plays, get a lot of points. But there's a reason that these guys are backups in the league. Don't forget that. Matt Collins might be wide receiver one. Sorry, Devontae Adams. He caught nine of his 10 targets, had 158 yards and a touchdown. Matt Collins is not owned in our league. We are in a 12-man double flex PPR league. Go ahead, everybody go and scramble to pick him up. Trust me, I'm not going for him. Because next week, Devontae Adams will end up just scoring again, going off. Hunter Renfro did not play on... Uh, Week three, so, I mean, I'm not trying to take away from Matt Collins. He was a former Dolphin. The last time I remember him having big plays was when Ryan Fitzpatrick got his face mask pulled. He threw it up to the heavens. Matt Collins caught the ball, so we ended up getting an extra 15 yards, winning that game against the Raiders. I mean, I know some of you guys are trash at fantasy football. I know... I mean, hey, I can't even talk about fancy right now. I'm but I'm moving to one and two after this week, and I had the second lowest score this week. But I'm not picking up Matt Collins regardless. Chris Olave might have had his rookie showcase on Sunday. He caught nine of thirteen targets, had 147 yards. Romeo Dobbs definitely tried to get his name in there. He caught eight of his targets had eight receptions 73 yards and a touchdown for fantasy it's worth more but both of them were able to put themselves into that conversation of hey like this is this is the real deal i'm the real deal i mean michael thomas didn't finish the game jarvis landry didn't finish the game so and Jameis winston definitely looks terrible but Chris Olave was at least able to show his talent. Romeo Dobbs probably has less of an opportunity with Alan Lazard coming back healthy now and Randall Cobb, even though he's probably never going to have a great game this year. Randall Cobb is definitely more trusted, obviously, by Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Ayahuasca himself. Ramon J. Stevenson. Had a great fantasy performance. He did not have a lot more opportunities than Damian Harris. I'll get into that more later. But Ramon J. Stevenson was able to score a rushing touchdown. He got a good amount of passing yards and the receptions he had for a full PPR league like we are in was able to help him get to 20 points. And I've already seen people talk about how he is the Running back one, now he's the best and the starter. That is just not true. Just like how Corey, if he believes that Cordell Patterson is able to be trusted every week, he might have had a good week one, had a bad week two, 
week three, Cordell Patterson had a lot of rushes. He ended up with a lot of rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, but he had one catch. Last week, he had no catches. Cordell Patterson's usage and effectiveness in fantasy football was his receptions. So it's really not looking good. Tua right now, questionable against the Bengals. Tua touchdown Viloa. I mean, apparently as of right now, as I record this podcast, he is not in concussion protocol. I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out later on. I don't know if he lied about having a back injury or if McDaniels told him to lie, if coaching staff or the trainers told him to lie. I was at the game. I saw how he went down. I saw how he got hurt, gets back up, tries to jog jog back to the huddle, which I give him a lot of respect for. Falls back down. He said he did have a QB sneak. Earlier, before that, he's saying he got bent backwards, hurt his lower back. I've had lower back injury before, and I know how it can cripple your leg, your legs. And um, I'm not an NFL player, so all we know, he's telling the truth. And if he's not telling the truth, the NFL can only know what the Dolphins tell him realistically, and they're all about money. And Tua versus Burrow is a good money game. Miles Garrett, unfortunately, today, he was in a car accident, a single car accident. From what we know right now, it wasn't any type of drunk driving or high driving. But he did get an accident. His car flipped a couple times. But since Miles Garrett, defensive end, the Cleveland Browns, and if you know who he is, you know he's a beast. And if you don't, let me just tell you right now, this man is a monster. Only apparently sustained non-life-threatening injuries and should be fine. Yet somebody else in the passenger seat, they're apparently going to be fine as well. Thank God. Obviously, we don't wish any type of suffering on anybody. But... When I saw this news, the first thing that popped in my head, I was like, like it's Miles Garrett. And it said, car flipped a couple times. I was like, oh, uh, he's fine. Because the first thing I would have said was that he passed away, which I wouldn't have wished for, obviously. But once I saw that the headline wasn't about him passing away, I was like, oh. It was like, car, single car accident, car flipped, non-life-threatening injuries. You can kind of assume that I don't know if he's going to, I mean, I don't think he's going to play next week. I highly doubt it. But I'm very grateful that he, you know, avoided anything serious and will be able to continue to play NFL football. Trent Williams, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, um, suffered an injury on that terrible Sunday night football game, like one of the most boring games I've ever watched. Um, he's probably going to be out for another week. I mean, I'm sorry, another week, a month. So sorry to whoever picked up Jeff Wilson, Luigi. He didn't have a good week this week, and he definitely won't have a good week if Trent Williams is out. 
it's a little too early to say, but according to the news, Keenan Allen is trying to return this week. Dak Prescott, apparently, before the game, news came out that he was also trying to return this week. But to me, something that's more interesting, obviously, than the Dolphins having a come-out party is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars had a great game. They obviously beat the Chargers in San Diego. Or is it L.A.? I mean, it really doesn't matter because they don't have any real fans out there anyways. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to go out there and win. Doug Peterson has now tied Urban Meyer for the most wins as a Jaguars coach for fifth all-time. And it's only been three games. Urban Meyer is a joke, obviously. And just to give out another maybe highlight performance, nothing that won anybody's weeks. I know somebody owns them in the league right now, in our league at least. Romeo Dobbs caught all eight of his targets, had 73 yards, and a touchdown. And now I move forward to our studs and duds. For week three. For our quarterback studs, Lamar Jackson, back to back weeks of 40 or more points, back to back weeks of being the number one fantasy quarterback. This week, he had 40.42. He was 18 of 29 for 218 yards, but he had four passing touchdowns, one interceptions. One interception, I apologize for adding that S. He had 11 rushes for 107 yards and one touchdown. Lamar Jackson, it's funny because I drafted him last year in another league and I spoke about how volatile he was, especially as a fantasy quarterback. I know I spoke a lot about the Dolphins. I spent like 20 minutes on the Dolphins. I've already seen that on the timer. I really don't care, and I don't apologize because the Miami Dolphins are number one, baby. But, yeah, Lamar Jackson, number one fantasy quarterback, two weeks straight. Good for you, buddy. Jalen Hurts, yet again, another time spending his fantasy value as a top three fantasy quarterback. This week, Jalen Hurts was 22 for 35, 340 yards passing, and three passing touchdowns. He had nine rushes for 20 yards, ended up with 27.6 points. To me, beautiful performance. It was his way of showing the league and the fantasy football leagues around the world, country, whatever that he is not rushing the pendant, that he can throw the ball as well. I know Lamar Jackson, I don't disrespect Lamar. You know, I know that he has a lot of capabilities and that he is very talented and very athletic. But when all is said and done, Jalen Hurts 
is better and will be better than Lamar Jackson. Moving on, Josh Allen, third highest scoring quarterback this week. He had 42 completions. Ha ha, you lost. On 63 attempts, you're trash, bro. 400 passing yards, two touchdowns. He had eight rushes for 47 yards. Who cares? Moving on. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had his version and the Jaguars version, the AFC South version of a coming out party. He was 28 for 39. Not bad at all. 262 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. This was his second time passing for three touchdowns since his rookie season. Obviously, his rookie season was last year, but last year he had 17 games. Week one was 18. Week two was 19. Week three, 20. So in 20 games... This is the second time passing for three touchdowns. And I'm not saying it or announcing it to make it a joke. I think that this is very impressive. Urban Meyer was definitely the worst decision that the Jaguars ever made for having a coach. I think Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I think ETN is very talented. I think James Robinson is their RB1. I think that Christian Kirk is, he ruined the the wide receiver market, but he's definitely not a bad player. They do need a true wide receiver one, but this is not a bad team. Their defense is definitely, I'm not going to say stacked, I'm not going to say stout. Their defense is definitely, at the very least, average to above average NFL defense. Look out for the Jaguars. Moving on to the wide receiver studs of the week. Last week, we had a lot of great performances, big performances by wide receivers. Uh, Last week, I'm pretty sure it was 14 wide receivers had at least 20 or more points. This week, it's 11. Number one wide receiver fantasy-wise was Devonta Smith. It's about time he was due. He kind of got uh, overshadowed and overlooked by A.J. Brown, which makes sense because A.J. Brown is phenomenal and amazing. This week, Devonta Smith caught eight of his 12 targets at 169 nice yards and a touchdown, wound up with 30.9. Matt Collins, who a lot of people are going to overestimate, which is okay with me because Devontae Adams had another week of being abysmal, trash, terrible. Derek Carr is trash, terrible. The Raiders are trash, terrible. Josh McDaniels is trash, terrible. Matt Collins caught eight of his 10 targets, had 158 yards and one touchdown. And his last touchdown is what put the Raiders in position to try to at least tie Maybe win the game. Didn't matter. Raiders are a terrible organization. They lost anyways. Matt Collins had 29.96. Call it 30. 
Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, whatever you know him as, this week, even though he's had already other decent weeks, he caught 14 of his 17 targets, had 140 yards for 28 points. If he would have added a touchdown, it only would have made him, I mean, not only, it would have made him the best wide receiver for fantasy this week. He did, um, I won't say he dropped it, but there was a highly contested pass on a fourth down attempt. And Kyler Murray, who is definitely overrated and not that guy, did not make, you know, a good enough pass attempt. And it's hard for me to say that because I have Kyler Murray. And I thought that having Kyler Murray over Russell Wilson was a move. But the funniest part is that Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are both trash, at least fantasy-wise. After Hollywood Brown, Russell Gage... Probably his only good week of the year this year. He might have other weeks where he's flex optional just because we're in a double flex this year. Russell Gage caught 12 of his 13 targets. No Mike Evans, no Julio, no Chris Godwin. Had 87 yards and only one touchdown. Not only, but, you know, to catch 12 passes on the Tampa Bay offense, it is only. Had 24.7 points. And then Zay Jones, as I said um, at the beginning of this podcast, talking about the Oakland, now the Las Vegas Raiders, that Kyle definitely know who Zay Jones is. Zay Jones for the Jaguars, who are number one in the AFC South as of this week. He caught 10 of his 11 targets, had 85 yards, and one touchdown for 24.5 fantasy points. Now I move on to the running backs. The number one running back this week was a backup running back who only got to score this much because, obviously, his starter went down. Khalil Herbert. For the Chicago Bears, who are somehow 2-1, and one, even though Justin Fields is terrible, Khalil Herbert ran the ball 20 times, had 157 rushing yards for two rushing touchdowns, caught both of his targets for 12 yards, ends up with 30.9. Derrick Henry finally reminding the whole league and the world why he's so great, even though it wasn't that great. He had 20 rushes for 85 yards and a touchdown, caught five of his six targets, for 58 yards, helped him get to 25.3 fantasy points. Definitely a good game, but for being Derrick Henry, and this is his first great game of the season, you definitely want more, but it doesn't matter. Luigi lost anyways. Jamal Williams also ran the ball 20 times. DeAndre Swift left the game early, got hurt. We talked about it in the fantasy headlines. 20 rush attempts, 87 yards for Jamal. He had two rushing touchdowns, caught both of his targets for 20 yards, ended up with 24.7 fantasy points. Definitely a great game. Devin Singletary had nine rushes for 13 yards because the Bills could not run on the Miami defense. But it's okay. 
at least for Devin Singletary owners, Frankie. The Singletary caught nine of his 11 targets, ended up with 78 yards, and had a touchdown for 24.1 fantasy points. Cordell Patterson, Cordell Patterson, week three, week one, he had a great game. Week two, he kind of tried to make me look right. This week, he made me look wrong again. He had 17 rushes for 141 yards, one touchdown, caught his only target of the game, had 12 receiving yards for 22.3. I just don't know what to do. I mean, if I owned him, I'd just be scared every week. I wouldn't know what to do. James Robinson continues to look as the RB1 for the Jaguars as the Jaguars look to continue their a redemption, you know, season. Trevor Lawrence had to have Urban Meyer for his rookie year. So he's trying to definitely prove everybody wrong as everybody wrote off Trevor Lawrence. But I'm pretty sure, as a lot of people would think and know, that Urban Meyer definitely contributed to his terrible rookie season. James Robinson had the had rushes for 17, 17 rushes, 100 yards, a touchdown. So sorry about all that fucking stuttering and stupidness. I just lost a lot of my recording, so I really don't care. I'm starting to get pissed off. Had three receptions, 16 yards, 20.6 points. Then I move on to Ramondre. Ramondre made the most of his opportunities. He only had 12 rushes, but he turned it into 73 yards, a rushing touchdown, and then had four receptions of 28 yards, had 20.1 fantasy points. Damien Harris did have 11 rushes for 41 yards. Obviously did not make as much of his opportunities, but still wound up with a rushing touchdown. And then you have Damian Pierce putting himself out there, showing what his offseason hype was about. Had 20 rushes for 80 yards, a touchdown, two receptions, 21 yards. Seven out of, um, I apologize, seven running backs this week at 20 or more. Fantasy points, last week it was only two having 20 or more, which was Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones. So it's nice to see that turnaround. For the tight ends, you have Mark Andrews. He caught eight of his 13 passes, 89 yards, two touchdowns, wound up with 28.9, continues to have a great season. Then you have David Njoku, we talked about after Thursday Night Football. Or maybe I didn't. I really don't know or care. But I'll tell you now. He caught nine of his ten targets at 89 yards. One touchdown. Wound up with 23.9. Travis Kelsey. Not a great week. But for fantasy tight ends, it's as good as it's going to get. He caught four of his eight targets at 58 yards. A touchdown and a two-point conversion. Wound up with 17.9. Tyler Conklin, which may be the start of the week for Corey. Caught all eight of his targets for 84 yards. That's 16.4. Not a bad outing. And then Kyle Pitts, definitely not a um, stud, but he was able to turn around all of his two terrible weeks. Caught five of his eight targets for 87 yards. Now I move on to the duds of the week. For quarterbacks, we have Tom Brady. 
Tom Brady really salvaged his day with that last um, last drive where he drove down the field, 80-something yards, threw a touchdown, did not get the two-point conversion. I really don't feel bad for him or care because I hate him. Tom Brady was 31 for 42, had 271 passing yards, and a touchdown wound up with 14.74. Justin Herbert definitely was still hurt, definitely was still struggling, but it doesn't matter. Because when you're on the field, nobody's looking at excuses. You played. You were out there. He was 25-45 at 297 passing yards. One touchdown, one interception, and a fumble wound up with 13.58. Kyler Murray, this this stats are crazy to me because he definitely could have scored so many more points. But they lost. Doesn't matter anyways. He was 37-58. for now you understand why I say that. And he's my fancy quarterback, so you really understand it. Had 314 passing yards, but he had only two rushes for eight yards. Kyler Murray is a rushing quarterback. You need to run the ball more. Arizona wound up with 13.36 points and a loss for me and for their team. Just to be unbiased, I threw two in as a dud. Obviously, we had you know the fumble recovery. Took away for a time of possession. Tua got hurt. He threw the touchdown and threw the biggest play of the game to secure the win. But nonetheless, he only had a hundred a one hundred eighty-six passing yards for one touchdown. He had one rush for no yards, I guess you can say. So it really doesn't matter. Wound up with eleven point four four fantasy points. Then you have Matthew Stafford, who was eighteen for twenty-five. They won against the Cardinals, obviously, since I already told you how the Cardinals lost. 249 passing yards, 10.16 fantasy points, another dud for him. Russell Wilson, Broncos country, we're not riding, is a quote that he should have said. He was 20 for 33. They won by one. I know they won. I don't care. They suck. Had 184 passing yards. Terrible. Six rushes, 17 yards. At least two or three two or three of those rushes were from broken plays where he escaped the pocket and ran for a few yards. So they weren't really rushes. Just like, like how Lamar and Jalen Hurts has a certain amount of rushes. Like a couple of them might be from broken plays, but the ones that they're really gaining yards on are designed. Wide receiver duds. Stefan Diggs wasn't really a dud football-wise. But he was still, you know, disappointing. Caught seven of his 11 targets, 74 yards, 14.4 points. Doesn't matter Calvin because he won anyways. T. Higgins caught five of his seven targets, 93 yards for only 14.3. The Bengals definitely had a get-right week for them. And they didn't really get that much right because the Jets suck anyways. Joe Burrow... This was not his highest-scoring fantasy game of the year. This was not T. Higgins' highest-scoring game. Jamar Chase is down at the bottom. He caught six of his ten targets for 29 yards. The only reason that he hasn't had any type of decent type of performance is because one of those catches was for a touchdown. 12.7 points would have been more, but he did also lose a fumble. Juju... I mean, like, to me, Juju's trash. Doesn't matter anyways. Caught five of his eight targets. 
had 89 yards, wound up with 13.9. But this is highest performance this year. The most reliable he's been for the Chiefs this season. And they lost to the Colts, who were 0-1-1. Oh, one and, one. and now the Colts are 1-1-1. One, one one. So I don't think that Juju is their answer still. And I never thought it was. Amon Ross St. Brown came back down to earth, caught six of nine for 73 yards, had 13.3. See, this is something that's excusable. When his first two weeks, he absolutely balls out. Last week, I compared him to Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. I stand by it. I don't care. Moving on, Debo Samuel, Sunday Night Football, caught five of eight targets, 73 yards. Had a few rushes. Doesn't matter. Jimmy Garoppolo does not care. He had his contract restructured. The team was trying to trade him away. He didn't even practice or play in the training camp, play in preseason. He didn't even have the playbook. He just got the playbook last week. So I don't know why people are overstressing it. Debo wound up with 12.9. It's really not even that bad of a game. Thinking that he's wide receiver one. For a team, but a player who literally thought he wouldn't be there by week two. Mike Williams caught one of his six targets. Awful, terrible, abysmal. Justin Herbert is hurt, so I guess, you know, that slide, I do like Mike Williams, honestly. One of six targets for 15 yards. He did have a touchdown that helped him get to 8.5. He didn't have that touchdown. (laughs) I mean, you already know. 0 for 6, no yards, 0 points. Everybody hates him. Mike Thomas, he caught all five of his targets, got 49 yards for 9.9 points. He did get uh, banged up. He left in the third quarter, towards the end of the third quarter, I think it was. I mean, the Saints offense was struggling either way. Chris Olave had a coming out party. Jameis Winston looks awful, has played awful. Whether you want to blame it on his back injuries or not, they're not ready. Moving on to the running back duds of the week. There's more than I wanted to list, but I listed a lot because it's all worth mentioning. Austin Eckler starts it off. Four rushes for five yards. He did have eight catches off eight targets, 48 yards receiving, wound up with 13.3. I mean, it's not a bad game, but it's more than you want from your week one. I'm sorry, from your first round running back. Najee Harris spoke about after the game. Obviously had those 15 rushes, a 56 yards, a touchdown. Caught all three of his targets, only had five yards. Had a fumble, wound up with 13.1. Damian Harris already spoke about that earlier when I spoke about Ramondre. He had 11 rushes for 41, still had a touchdown, caught two of his three targets for five yards at 12.6. Jonathan Taylor, NFL-wise, not a bad game. Fantasy-wise, definitely a bad game. He had 21 rushes for 71 yards, caught three of his five targets for 20 yards, wound up with 12.1. Then we move on to Leonard Fournette. I mean, the Buccaneers, other than Russell Gage, was completely unreliable this week. He had 12 rushes for 35 yards, caught five of his six targets 
He was basically their second best wide receiver this week for 35 yards off of his five catches off six targets. Had 12 points. Then you have Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, who will definitely be affected moving forward by the Trent Williams injury. One of the best offensive linemen in the league for the 49ers, just in case you don't know who that is. Left tackle. He had 12 rushes for 75 yards. 37 of those yards came off of one play in the first quarter. He caught all three of his targets for 31 yards, had a fumble, only had 11.6. Yonjay Swift, another bust, hurts me. Now I'm losing him for two weeks, possibly. Had seven rushes for 31 yards, caught three of his four targets for 15 yards, wound up with only 7.6. If you hear me flipping my page, because the list goes on. Alvin Kamara had 15 rushes for 61 yards, caught two of his seven targets, had 12 receiving yards and a fumble, wound up with only 7.3. Thank God I didn't draft him. But it's okay, because I have Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had 12 rushes before he got hurt, obviously. 12 rushes for 24 yards. That's two yards per carry. Terrible. Against the Jets, terrible. Caught three of his seven targets for 14 yards, had 6.8 points. Aaron Jones, after coming off a big week last week, had 12 rushes for 36 yards. Caught three of his four targets for 11 yards. Also had a fumble. And 5.7 points. Terrible. Tight end duds of the week. I mean, every tight end is basically a dud. But I wrote down more than I wish I did. But just to go over these duds. Dallas Goddard, who definitely scored enough to beat me for Sean. Caught three of his four targets. 26 yards, one touchdown, 11.6 points. Really not that impressive in the grand scheme of things. TJ Hawkinson, first time this year for me, because he's on my team, actually put up some relevant points, which is still a dud. He had three of four, caught three of his four targets, had 18 yards, terrible, but he caught a touchdown. That's what kind of made it decent for me. But I lost anyway, so it doesn't matter. At 10.8. Zach Ertz caught six of his 10 targets at 45 yards. 10.5. He had a touchdown. I might have made him a, a stud of the week. That's how terrible the tight ends are. George Kittle. I'm not really trying to shit on him. Obviously, it's his first game back this year. He caught four of his five targets for 28 yards. Only had 6.8. But I don't think it's something to look down on. Like, you had to start him this week, Luigi, and anybody else, even 8-man, 10-man, 12-man league. George Kittle's the type of guy that if he's healthy and he's playing, you have to start him, even if it's his first game back, and especially how the tight ends have looked this year. Unless you had Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, even Darren Waller had a bad week, which I'm going to get to in a second. There's nobody else that you should start over George Kittle. Dawson Knox is really having a terrible year. Last year, he left an impression on certain people that he was, you know, a starter and someone that you should have on your team. He continues to score below seven points a game. 
this last week against the Dolphins that they lost against the Dolphins. He caught four of his four targets. Congratulations. For only 25 yards, had 6.5 points. Then Taron Waller, as I just talked about, his stats, not even breaking this down because the Raiders suck. Taron Waller caught three of his five targets for 22 yards. I'll do the math for you. It is 5.2 points. Terrible. Gerald Everett, somebody who looked like he was a breakout tight end. I'm not saying that he's not a breakout tight end. Justin Herbert was definitely hindered by injury this week. But Gerald Everett came back down to earth, just like Pat Fryermuth did. But I already spoke about Pat Fryermuth, so, you know, whatever. Gerald Everett this week caught two of his six targets at 25 yards for 4.5. Now I'm going to move forward to our matchup recaps of the week. I will not go into great detail as I've done in the past just because this episode is way too long, but I have no regrets because it's too long because I spoke about the Dolphins. Anyways, me versus Sean. Sean goes to 3-0. and I go to 1-2. and Sean handled me easily 129.9 to 85.46. Um, DJ Moore is trash. Allen Robinson is trash. Um, basically, my wide receivers and running backs, their points combined were six points less than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Dallas got it for uh, Sean. is definitely an amazing stack. Sean is looking strong, as I said, at the, before the draft started, after the draft ended, and before the NFL fantasy football season started for his team. He's definitely looking forward to his, you know, announcement of him being here being ready, knowing what he's doing. I don't care if it was, you know, half of them were force picks or not because he was stuck at work. His team is ready. And he might not want to take credit for it, but I know that he took Hurts and A.J. Brown on his own because I told him about it. And that's the, you know, the solace that I have to take because my team is so terrible. Next week I play Calvin Calvin's probably going to destroy me because my team sucks. Sean plays Frank. That's actually a potential game of the week. But we have a a couple potential game of the weeks, but I'll talk about that later. Frank versus Corey. Frank beat Corey 144 to 141.36. Corey had his first good week of the year. Still loses. Moves to 0-3. Still last place. Sorry, buddy. Cordell Patterson isn't good enough to get you any further. Um, Frank has Josh Allen. Obviously, continues to carry him, even though Josh Allen lost. So, fuck Josh Allen. Devin Singletary has his first good week of the year. It wasn't running the ball. It was catching the ball. But who cares because they lost in the NFL anyways to my Miami Dolphins. Amari Cooper had... Back-to-back weeks of 100-plus receiving yards, touchdowns in two weeks straight. You know, continues to show his worth. He's not washed by any means, at least in my opinion. If it was Deshaun Watson, um, then Amari Cooper would have retired because Deshaun Watson would have sexually assaulted him. Anyways, um, Corey is definitely hindered by Russell Wilson being trash. He's Broncos country. We're not ready to ride. 
And then Mike Williams, you know, being disappointing, most likely because Justin Herbert broke his ribs. <laughs> and Keenan Allen might come back next week. So we'll see how that continues to go forward for Corey. Next week, Sean plays Frank, like I said, potential game of the week. And then Corey versus Jordan, that's actually another potential game of the week. I apologize, it's match of the week, but I just wrote game of the week because I already said it once. Now I go on to the dog match of the week. It did not um, disappoint. It was Carlos versus Luigi. Carlos beat Luigi to take Luigi to 0-3. Carlos is now 1-2. It was 123.84 to 114.58. Saquon had 22.6. That was tonight. Ramon J. Stevenson had that 20.1, as we talked about earlier in my studs and duds. Carlos is definitely happy. Deontay Johnson, as I spoke about after that Thursday night game, had his 16. Hayden Hurst having 1.7 did not help. But other than Hayden Hurst, Devin DuVernay was the lowest scoring positional player that Carlos had at 10.3 and how bad our teams have been other than Calvin, basically. It wasn't a bad week for Carlos. Then you have Luigi, who had uh, Derrick Henry with 25.3. Finally, Derrick Henry comes back and actually plays like a first-round fantasy running back pick. Then you have Herbert with only 13.58. Probably shouldn't have even played. Got embarrassed by the Jaguars. Brandon Cook's only 4.2. Miles Sanders only 5.4. George Kittle's first game back, 6.8. Javante Williams, 9. Luigi's team, as I said at the draft analysis, was not ready to win right now. He built himself a second-half team, and he didn't think I was right, but I am right. My team sucks, so I was wrong about my team, but at least I was right about Luigi sucking. Next week, Carlos will be playing Kyle. Tough matchup for Carlos. Hopefully he can, you know, continue this little momentum that he built up this week. And then you have Luigi versus Angel. Both of them are 0-3, most likely the dog match of the week. Then on to the match of the week, which definitely wasn't a match of the week, at least statistically. You had Kyle versus Jordan. Kyle moves to 3-0. Jordan moves to 1-2. Kyle, back-to-back match of the weeks. Kyle wins this one easily, 134.28 to 115.26. Kyle was led by Russell Gage, which is definitely the start of the week. He is a wide receiver four. When the Buccaneers are healthy, all said and done. But guess what? The way this lineup was set up, he was wide receiver one. Ended up getting all the points, all the targets. Had that 24.5, as I talked about earlier. Mahomes only had 18. Scary Terry had 16.2. Brees Hall had 15.2. Travis Kelsey had 17.4, which definitely could have been more. Only one skill position for for Kyle, I'm sorry, had under 10. For Jordan, four skill positions scored under 10. 
Joe Burrow was his highest scorer with 23. Tyreek Hill only had 5.3 because we didn't need him to go off. David Montgomery had 1.1 points because he obviously got hurt, was out the rest of that game. Ezekiel Elliott was not a game winner this week, at least for Jordan, but this was his first week that he actually, you know, presented himself fantasy-wise at 14.5, and he was sitting on Jordan's bench. Carlos will be playing Kyle, as I already spoke about earlier. And Jordan and Corey, the matchup of the roommates, which might be the match of the week, too. Like, this is it's a tough, you know, position for me. Because to me, match of the week isn't just about, um, you know, the best lineups and the best, uh, you know, matchups. It's, it's also about positions, you know? Like, and then also on top of that, the drama of Jordan versus Corey, because if Jordan beats Corey, Corey goes to 0 and 4, and he is unofficially eliminated from the playoffs. And if Jordan loses to Corey, they will both be tied at 1 and 3, and it's about pride at that point. So it, it's a tough decision, but you guys will obviously find out by at least Thursday or Friday. Again, I want to apologize. For the length of this episode. Just kidding. I don't want to apologize about anything. Because the Miami Dolphins are 3-0. and The reason this episode went so long. Is because the Dolphins continue to win. Oh and it's only going to get worse. I can't wait. Trust me. This, ep- this episode. This series. This show. Is just spanning on to the next thing that I'm going to create. I love this. I love doing this. I love talking about sports. I love talking about my teams. Miami Heat are going to be playing pretty soon. (laughs) It's going to get worse. And by worse, I mean better. More entertaining. Longer. Shorter. More relevant doesn't matter to me however you want to present it you know it it's a new day patriots suck mac jones injury trust me trust me as a dolphins fan as a real dolphins fan i am pissed the fuck off that mac jones just got hurt at the end of that game because he had zero touchdowns three interceptions and was gonna lose anyways to go one and two Tua Tagovailoa. That's how you say his name, by the way. I know that the commentators, I I will never understand it. They've been doing it since college, so I'm not going to say it's NFL. Disrespect. They have been calling Tua Tua Tagovailoa. Go read his jersey. Go look up his name. There is no N in his last name, but they persist on calling him Tua tongue of Iloa. Like, I will, I literally cannot understand that. Never will. I don't know if it's sneak dissing, or just because they're so ignorant that they cannot pronounce something right. Maybe it's because I'm Hispanic. I mean, if you ask people who don't know my heritage, they would think I was Jewish or just straight up white. 
But if you read his jersey and his last name, it is Tao Gavailoa. Tua Tagavailoa. But anyways, it's Tua time. It's Jimmy Butler time. It's Tyreek Hill time. Marlins suck. I don't care about baseball. I haven't cared about baseball since 03. Because the Marlins have sucked since 03. It's our time, man. It's so exciting. It's such a different vibe for me, for the real Dolphin fans. I know Virgil is so mad because he hates Tua. There's so many regulars, you know, that I've met throughout the years that hate Tua. They're sick of Tua. They think Tua's overrated. This is his third year. And what he's what has he done in his third year? He's gone three and zero. What has he done in his last nine starts? His last ten starts. I'm sorry. God forbid that I fucking give you the wrong stats. He is nine and one in his last ten starts. Two was a winner. And I've been saying this a lot. I want to make sure this is an audio recording. And I've not heard this from only one person. And I don't care. I don't need to drop names. Because this is real life. What people think. And don't worry Virgil. I know you're one of the people who said it. You're not the only one. Tua doesn't have pressure. Right? He doesn't have pressure on himself. He doesn't work harder than other people. Than other quarterbacks. Not other people. Because other people definitely work harder. Right, and whatever. We're all in the service industry. We have family who, you know, does hard labor. Cool. Great. Fuck them. I don't give a fuck about these fucking bums who cut grass. Okay? I just paid somebody. Sorry, I didn't pay them. Larry just paid somebody today to cut our grass. And cut our grass in the backyard. $50. Fuck that guy. I don't give a fuck about him. Tua played in Alabama, right? He went to a school that's known for winning. Halftime in his rookie year, because he redshirted his first year. Halftime, they bench Jalen Hurts, who is the only under, only other 3-0 and team, right? NFC, probably the Super Bowl, Dolphins, uh, Eagles. He gets benched. Tua comes in, bright lights, throws touchdowns, controls the game, wins the game. Virgil and other people, you don't worry, Virgil, like I said earlier, you're not the only one. They think, oh, well, Tua doesn't have the mindset and he doesn't have the mentality of someone who has to work so hard or thinks that he has to, you know, overcome doubters to win, right? So he doesn't work as hard as some third-string guy like Skylar Thompson. Don't get me wrong. 
I wish Skylar Thompson was our backup. Because maybe on that first drive, I'm sorry, that first drive, that last drive, when Tua got, you know, a, a quote-unquote back injury, maybe we could have still drove down the field and scored because Skylar Thompson has such a hot hand right now after the preseason. Teddy Bridgewater definitely sucked and wasn't ready and wasn't prepared. And Mike McDaniels, like, literally wanted everybody to suck his fucking dick. So he just called three straight pass plays, and he should have just ran the ball, but he didn't. Whatever. That Tua doesn't think that he has to play so hard or practice so hard or prepare so hard because he has this sense of entitlement, right? That's what some people think. On top of thinking he has no arm, which, I mean, like, if you still think he has no arm, you're stupid. Or because he's not a good quarterback, if you still think he's not a good quarterback, you're nine and one, his last 10 starts, you're stupid. In the NFL, he has more than a winning record, you're stupid. One of the highest completion percentages in the league since he's come in. You're stupid. How about this? He played at the biggest school in college football. He played at a school where every week he was watched by the whole country, the whole league. Nobody is under a higher microscope than an Alabama player, especially when you're a quarterback. And when he was there, he came in, like I said, he came in in the second half of the college football championship game, took over, won the game. Starts the next year, starts the year after that, good to go. Shattered his hip before he got drafted. Comes in. Fitzpatrick, who hates Tua, who hates the Dolphins. They He won't even talk about Tua. Gave the most generic compliment about Tua on a podcast. Tua's a winner. Tua loves football. I've seen it with my eyes. You've seen it with your eyes, but you refuse to see it. What? You want him to be Josh Allen? Josh Allen's six inches taller, 60 pounds heavier. You want him to be Tom Brady? Tom Brady cheats. You want him to be Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers had Jordan Nelson, one of the best white receivers of all time while they're doing ayahuasca shrooms and perks Tua is a winner and Tua is a man give him his respect I'm done I'm done with the hate I'm done with being patient with all you ignorant dolphin fans with all you ignorant NFL fans. I'm done. 
Tannehill goes to the Titans. Goes to an AFC Championship game. Goes to the playoffs three years in a row. Oh, well, that's luck. Are you stupid? You like the NFL? You watch the football? What's luck? Luck is one play. Maybe. NFL, you don't win on luck. And luck is a process of design. Worst case scenario. You do it more than once. It's just skill. It's just ability. Tua is not 9-1 and one in his last 10 starts by luck. What, you think he won nine games out of ten by luck in the NFL? Then you need to look at yourself and realize that you're just not worthy of having an opinion. And if you can have your opinion, but it better be a little weaker than thinking that Tua sucks, Virgil, Angel, I'm tired, tired of haters. I don't want to be too high on Tua because I'm rational and reasonable, just like everybody else, in, in a sense that we've watched the Dolphins disappoint us so much. But this is a new day. This is our year. And if you want to keep this recording, keep this podcast, then do it. This is our year, and there ain't no mistake about it. We beat the Bengals on Thursday. I don't want to hear anything about it. Mike McDaniel, great coach. We kept our DC from last year. Defensive coordinator, because I know you guys don't know what it means because you're not even real football fans. I'm sorry, that was disrespectful. I just got all hyped up. I know you guys know what DC means, but we're ready. Things are different. This isn't this isn't hype. This is legitimacy. I'm so excited. And if you're not excited, then check your pulse because you might be fucking dead. If you're not beating through your chest about what the Dolphins might do. Because I'm telling you right now. I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what the headlines you've seen. Like I said, I know a lot of us work. We didn't get to watch the game or see the game. I was there and I'm telling you right now. I don't care if the Bills had the ball for 40 minutes. I'm telling you as a person who was there. They had the ball for 40 minutes on offense because they had no way to win that game. It's real, man. I literally looked at a police officer and he said, are you okay when I was leaving? And I was like, sorry, I'm crying right now because I've never seen something like this on my grandmother's grave. That's literally what happened. Because if I would have been home watching that game alone, 
I would have been bawling my eyes out. Just be, and I don't even know what's happiness. It's just relief to see our team play like that. Oh, Joey, why would you cry about something? It's just sports. It's just... No, man. Up until last year, we had 16 games a year, 16 weeks, four months out of 12. You had a third of a year to watch your team. I've been on this planet about to be 26 years. This isn't a joke. This is our time. Check your pulse. Duffy's two for one all day, every day. You want to come watch the Dolphins win a Super Bowl? You're more than welcome. Anybody else? Sit your fucking ass home. See you guys next time. Everybody, Miami Dolphins.